Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. I met lots of people that, that want change in their life, and I've met just as many people that don't, even, that don't have that change. They want change, but they don't have change. And I want you to know something, that you won't grow beyond your desire to change. You know, your, your desire to grow beyond your change, it has to match the change that you want. Otherwise, you just won't grow beyond your desire to change. And I've learned to change anything in life requires sacrifice. There's always a price tag attached to change in your life. And the people that have change are the people that are often willing to pay the price for change. The good news is for everybody is that you can have change in your life. And you think about your life right now, there's all kinds of things that are happening in your world right now. And I don't know, you know, if you think really hard, maybe there are some things that you would like to be different about the way that you're doing life or, or, or have some different circumstances. And the good news is for most of us, for most of our own situations, you can have change if you're hungry enough. If you're hungry enough, you can have change, right? So I want to share a scripture with you guys tonight. This comes out of Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Uh, I'm going to begin in verse 14. It says this. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often, or it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, if, like, do you know who you're talking to? If you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, hold my unbelief. He might be a little confused. I believe, hold my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mutant deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. If you read this in your Bible, there's a little number two, a uh, little, little number next to that word prayer. 
It's a number two in my Bible anyway. I don't know what it is in your Bible, but it's a little asterisk here that lets you know that what Jesus was really talking about is a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. That's why if you look at your Bible, it might not say that. And that's why we have it there tonight. I want to tell you tonight that if you are a Christian, the Bible says you are, you are not of this world. You are not of this world, which is kind of strange because normally when you're born somewhere, like your citizenship relates to the country that you're born in, but the Bible says you're not even born of this world. I think that's kind of interesting. You, 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 if you're a Christian, you are really, you're different. I mean, why don't you just look at the person next to you, I want you to look at them and go, you are so different. You, you are different. So, all right, you enjoyed that too much. Some of you have obviously been wanting to say that to your friend for a little while now. I'm so glad I gave you the opportunity to say that to your friend. But the truth is, is that you're different. If, if you're a Christian, you're Christians, we, we are different. I mean, for a lot of us, maybe not so much tonight, but a lot of Christians are getting up early on a Sunday morning to get to church, and they love it. They love it. Shawnee loves it. You come to church, and you serve, and you give your time and your energy, at least a lot of us do, serve, and you, and you volunteer, and you love it. You just love getting engaged in the things that God is doing at church. When it comes time to worship, a lot of us, some of us raise our hands and worship. And, and I think that people outside of church look at that and I think they say, that's weird. And that's, that's weird. That's, now that's different. I used to work in recruitment and uh, one of the guys that I worked with, he was an accountant. And I said to him, hey, could you do my tax for me? He said, no problem. He came to me about a week later and he said, hey, I've noticed this, this large sum of money that seems to be going to the same place. W- what is that? And I said, oh, that's the money I give to church. And he gave me a look like you just gave each other just then. And I know he was thinking, that's different. And he said to me, is it tax deductible? And I said, no. And he said, do you have to give that much? And I said, no, I don't have to give that much. And I know what he was thinking. He was thinking, well, why are you doing it? Like, that's weird. That's strange. And yet, I mean, if you're a Christian, this is the kind of stuff that we do. And I think to people outside of church, what we do is just, a, it's a little bit weird. It's something that I call the Jesus effect. It works kind of like this. When Jesus touches your life, you will never be the same again. You will look at life and you will be different, you know? And if you are a Christian and you've been touched by Jesus, as you begin to walk around planet Earth, you'll start to see things that you know should be different according to what you know should be done. And when you see those things... Let's be honest, you live in a world where you're completely surrounded by things that you know should be changed or should be different. The Bible uses a different word. He says the earth really needs to be renewed. But because sometimes we're surrounded by it for so long, we just become accustomed to our surroundings until you normalize what we shouldn't normalize and you think it's okay when it's not okay. Here's my point. Don't 
settle for what you see just because you're surrounded by it. You are not meant to be of this world. You're meant to do something different. You're meant to take, make a change. But if you just normalize what you see and say, hey, well, come on, that's just the way it is. You're ruining the possibilities of the future. Complacency kills potential. Complacency kills potential. If you know something should change, but you just find a way to be comfortable with what's already there, you become complacent. And that kills potential to change the world in a place and a way that we should change it. So let me just ask you a question tonight. Who here has some, needs an answer from God? Needs God to answer a prayer? Just raise your hands up right now if you, if you need God to answer some prayers in your life. See, this is what I'm talking about. It's, it's always interesting to me, and I, I'm not wanting to point anyone out necessarily, right? But it's always amazing to me when I'm in church and I say to people, who needs God to answer a prayer in their life? And there's, a, there's this whole sort of group of people that are just like, not me. I'm like, really? You don't, you don't have anything that you need God to answer in your life right now. Let me answer this question in front of you. I have so many prayers that need to be answered. I mean, so many. I am continually confronted with things in the world that I know need to be changed. But if you're able to live in this world, and when we say, hey, is there anything that you think needs to be shifted? And you're like, not me, I'm good. Don't need, don't need any changes. Just happy the way that life is right now. It makes me think. I think to myself one of a couple of things. Either you don't know God's capacity to deliver change, or maybe you've just become comfortable where you are and you think, I'm good right where I am. And I would challenge that to say, guess what? We should have long lists of things that we are continuing to seek God for because we're not just going to see what we see in the world and say, hey, that's cool. It's enough. Just let it be. Let it be. Just leave it the way that it is. No, we should be compelled to change something. And I'll tell you about a group of guys, the disciples, who saw something that they were compelled by to change. So can we just review the story that we just read? Jesus' disciples. Because the part before the story is that the disciples are somewhere and this father of a son who has a demon spirit in him gets in contact with the disciples and he says to them, I've got this problem. Can we sort it out? And the disciples say, yes, we can. And they pray and Nothing happens. And then Jesus walks up. He says, hey, guys, what's going on? They're like, well, the father comes. He says, well, I asked your disciples to cast out this demon from my son, and they weren't able to do it. And Jesus says, oh, yeah, yeah. Come, bring him here. Bring him here. He prays. Instantly it happens. Can we just review this story for a minute? When the disciples saw a need for change. They prayed, and it was a good request. Can we agree together tonight that it was a good request? 
It's, I mean, come on now. Like, this is not a, there's no trick question here. Casting demon out of kids. Good. I, yeah? Amen? It's a good request. So what they were asking for was good before God. It was a good request. All right. Well, what about the timing? Maybe it was a timing issue. No, it's not a timing issue because they asked God and nothing happened. And yet Jesus walks up five minutes later and immediately it happened. So it was a good request. It wasn't the timing because we know five minutes later, Jesus just did what they couldn't do. Well, hang on. Hang on. Maybe it was an authority thing. Maybe they didn't have the power to cast out that demon out of that boy. No, it's not. In fact, if you grab the Bible and you flick back just a couple pages, let me read to you something from chapter 6. Chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two when he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. So now I've got a situation here because I've got a prayer that's not being answered and yet the request was good and the timing was good and they had the authority and what they got, brass heavens. Where you send the prayers up and it just like, ping, brass heavens. Have you ever had a situation like that in your life? Two of you. And the rest are liars. I know, I know you have asked for things in your life that you know are good and the timing has been okay. They're promises that God has made to you and you know you have the authority and yet your prayers haven't been answered. Can I be honest with you? What happens to me when I read this passage? Do you know what I was really thinking? I was really thinking, why didn't God just answer the prayer? Why didn't he just say yes? Everything about what they said was right. Why didn't God just give them the request that was a good request? I mean, here I am reading the scriptures, and I can see the change that's necessary. The disciples could see the change that was necessary. And I'm going to go out on a limb tonight and say that God could see the change that was necessary. That's not out on a limb. I suggest to you that he can see a lot more than what I can see. Now, if I can see it and he can see it, why didn't he do anything about it? Because he obviously has the power to change it and yet he doesn't do it. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now, and this is so important for you to hear tonight because, and if you miss this, I'm telling you right now, you are going to be unbelievably challenged as a Christian in life when you don't get prayer answers to prayers that you know are good, the timing's good, you got the authority. This thing is going to start to mess with your mind. So let me tell you something really important. You got to get this. God can do all things. Amen? All right. We even just read it in the passage. All things are possible for one who believes. God can do all things. And guess what? He doesn't even need people to do it. He can do it without you. But he chooses to work through people. And in this particular case, he has obviously opted not to work through the disciples. And the question is why? 
Why? I want you to remember that God never does anything by accident. Everything he does is on purpose. So if he didn't answer their prayer, there's a reason why. He's doing something. When God doesn't answer your prayers, you don't see why. I'm telling you right now, he's doing something. But can you imagine being the disciples and the confusion they would have had when they said to Jesus, Jesus, this is embarrassing for us. We are your disciples. And we prayed and it couldn't come out. Why could we not cast it out? And he says, oh yeah. Uh, to cast out this kind, you need to do prayer and fasting. Fasting is the practice of not eating food for a defined period of time to approach God in a moment to see breakthrough and, to, and, to, and increase your ability to hear God. So, so this is what Jesus says they need to do. You need to do fasting. Why? Why? Why should they need to fast? I mean, how does that even work? Let me be honest again. The first time I heard about fasting, I was suspicious. You want me to do what? To not eat. And you tell me that when I don't eat... I'm going to get some kind of breakthrough. I just want to know if this is serious or not. Are you serious when you say this to me? I was suspicious. Do you know why? Because I recognize that God is all-powerful, and he already has the ability to answer my prayers. So my question is, why should I not eat and able to get breakthrough in my life? What I want to know is, let me rephrase the question. What is the link between not eating food and getting spiritual breakthrough? And I don't know if Christians know this. So you know what I decided to do this week? I thought, you know, I'm going to ask some people. So I went up to them and I said, tell me about fasting. They said, I said, why, why, why does it work? And they said, well, what you do is that you don't eat and, and you pray to God and you seek him and, and you get breakthrough. I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just told me how to do it. I already know how to do it. I know how to do it. But I want to know why it works. And they're like, I don't know, you just do it. And I said, I know. So I went to a couple of other people. Tell me why fasting works. Well, what you do is you don't eat. I'm like, ah! You keep telling me how to do it. I already know how to do it. I know what it takes to not eat a hamburger. I can do that. I can master not eating. What I want from you is to tell me what is the link for me between not eating food and getting spiritual breakthrough in my life. And I discovered something that a lot of people are happy to do it, but they don't understand why it works. Now, when you start to ask people, why does this even work? You know, there's all kinds of thoughts that come into people's minds, and I'll tell you about a couple of them. Maybe the reason it works is if I just try really hard before God and he sees that I'm fasting, he's going to bless me. No. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins, your possession is blessed. You don't need, come on. You don't need to not eat to gain the favor of God in your life. Your position is favor. It's called justification. See, when Jesus came and paid the penalty on the cross for your sins, he took 
all of your punishment, but you got something back. You got his perfect life record in place of your sinful one. And because of that, the favor of God is on your life. You're already blessed. So fasting can't be about earning blessing because that just makes us workspace. Maybe, maybe what it means is, is that when I fast, it, it, it means that I put God into, and I've heard this before, debt. And now he's got to answer my prayers. Can you imagine if that was true? Can you imagine if all you needed to do to get the answer to your prayers was to just starve yourself for a week and now God has to do everything you say? No, 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 no. That makes you God and that doesn't make sense either. And yet every major biblical character has fasted even Jesus Christ. Even Jesus He fasted. Can I tell you about the story when he fasted? So he comes and he gets baptized by John the Baptist. And he goes under the water and he comes up out of the water. And immediately there is a voice and they hear, This is my son with whom I am well. So we know that God was already pleased with him. So everything from here on in is not in order to gain favor or blessing from God. Amen? You understand that? So what happens? Well, immediately after he's baptized, it says the Spirit of God leads him out into the desert. He goes to the desert for a period of 40 days. During that 40 days, he doesn't eat a thing. He fasts. And the Bible says that during that time when he fasted, The devil came to him three times that we know about, but it does say that he was tempted in every way. And in those three times, he, he, he's, he, he comes to him when Jesus is in, in the middle of his fast. And I, I realized that there are a couple of ways that you can look at this story. One way you can look at the story is you just go, that mean devil. Boy, what a, what a mean spirit spirited devil that i mean come on now the guy's not eating you know he's hungry and right when he's hungry you just dig the boots in you know just really make it hard for him well that's one way to look at the story he attacked him when he was when he was weak or what about this can we just try to reframe this story and look at it another way what if jesus going out into the desert knew that he was going to face some kind of temptation with the devil so he decided that he was going to be at his absolute optimum strongest He wasn't at his weakest. He was at his strongest. And what you think is reactive is proactive. He decided that in order to face down what was coming to him, he decided, I'm going to have to be at the top of my game. So how how am I going to do that? I'm going to fast. And now he's spiritually strong, spiritually strong to resist the temptation of the devil. And after he does it, the scriptures tell us that he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus fast? Why should we fast? Why does it even work anyway? I'll tell you what I think. I think that really what's happening is that God can answer your prayers anytime, but he just wants to see how hungry you are. 
because you've already been given authority and your requests are good. I think that what God wants sometimes is not to do something outside of us, but to do something inside of us. He wants to know, hey, how serious are you about this? How hungry are you going to be? Are you going to settle? Will you become complacent? Will you just take a step back and say, oh, well, you know, come on, we'll just leave things the way that they are? Or are you hungry enough to do something about it? Because I've discovered that when you're really hungry, you'll stop eating. When you're hungry enough, you'll stop eating unless you've become so accustomed to settling that rather than face fasting, you'd rather just take a position, maybe take a step back and say, well, I'm just going to leave this the way that it is. Can I tell you, don't settle for what you see. You should learn to contend for what you don't have. Don't don't settle for what you see. Contend for what you don't have. How do you do that? Well, come on. I feel like the Bible's kind of clear on that. Pastor Corey Turner, who uh, was the founding pastor of this church, he he now travels. He's going to be speaking here next week, actually. But he he travels and he goes overseas. And one of the places that he goes to is Indonesia. And so I, I spoke to him and I said, tell me about Indonesia. Indonesia. He said, it's incredible what they're seeing in Indonesia. I mean, seriously, God is moving. It's like full-on revival is, is taking place. And people are being you know, transformed by the power of God. I said, oh my gosh, that's incredible. He says, you have no idea. He says, they have a prayer meeting that runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week with live music, right? And I'm not actually going to play this because I can only do chopsticks and not even well. And so they have someone that is playing music and they have a roster for it. And the next person shows up and steps on and continues to play so that the worship never ends. 24 hours a day, Seven days a week, rostered, nonstop prayer and worship. I'm like, that's incredible. Pastor Corey said to these pastors, you guys are seeing incredible things. Tell me about it. I want to know about it. How are you seeing such incredible breakthrough? And why don't we get to see it sometimes in in the Western church? Because I've noticed a real difference between when I come here and when I'm back home. And they said, that's easy. We pray and fast all the time and the Western church doesn't. That's what they said. And it made me think, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. I just got finished reading a book It's by a guy named John Ramirez. And John Ramirez was, for many years, the number three Satanist in New York City. The number three Satanist. You've got to have goals in life. He was aiming for number one. Come on, like, number three. And while he was a Satanist, people would come to him and ask him to go into do spiritual warfare, sometimes against Christians. And he speaks about it. And he says, you know what? When I had to go and do spiritual warfare against Christians, a lot of the time it was easy because they don't pray and they had no fasting to back up their prayer life. And it got to me and it made me think, 
You know, in one of the, the, the temptation of Jesus when he was in the desert, one of the temptations was that the devil said to him, why don't you turn these stones into bread? In other words, Jesus, break your fast. See, I know that when I start to talk about fasting, some of us go, oh, no, I don't like the idea. Guess what? The devil hates you fasting more than you don't like it. He doesn't want you to do it. The very fact that I'm speaking about fasting, it's no surprise to me some of the spiritual things that have happened around here, even in the last week. Can I tell you that all three worship leaders tonight had to be replaced in the last 48 hours because they became sick. Other people's cars broke down today. I'm telling you right now, the devil doesn't want you to fast because he knows that when you do, something's happening, all right? You're going to shift something spiritually and he doesn't want you to do it. And my question to you is, what if breaks through. Your next breakthrough was a, after a season of fasting. Would you do it? Yeah. I don't really need you to answer the question because I can already answer your question. You might fast. Maybe. It just depends on how hungry you are. It just depends how hungry you are to see change and see breakthrough. And when you're sick of going around the same mountain over and over and over again, maybe it's time to rethink this thing and take a step back and say, I'm going to do something different. Did you know that every major revival on planet Earth was preceded by a season of intense prayer and fasting? You want to know why? Because God's moved by the desires of your heart. He's moved by the desires of your heart. I've seen people do fasts and do it religiously. But what I'm talking about, this is not religious. In fact, fasting, I think, if you ask me, it's all about relationship. A pastor over in the United States, his name is Benny Perez, moves powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit and it sees miraculous things happen. And I remember him, he said this one time, he said, the supernatural is a relational dynamic. It's not religious, it's a relational dynamic. See, once you've got this happening, this starts to happen a whole heap easier. It's a relational dynamic. Physical hunger communicates something to God. When you don't eat physically, it tells God that you are now spiritually serious. If you're hungry enough, you're hungry enough to say, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to eat anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fast. It tells God physically that you are spiritually serious about breakthrough in the next season of your life. When you start to fast, I'll tell you some couple of things that you can expect. Number one, you're going to hear God better. Number two, you're going to see clearly. Number three, I mean spiritually see clearly. If you've been spiritually blind, here's a great way to open your spiritual eyes. Number three, spiritually you'll become more aware. And when I say more aware, I'm not talking about what you want. I'm talking about what he wants. Because going into the fast, you already knew all of your desires. What you really want is coming out of the fast to know what his desires are. And I've learned something, that when we go to God and we say, this is what 
I want, and he tells us what he wants, it changes our requests. I remember one time I was fasting, and I really need a breakthrough in, in an area of my life. And I've been fasting for days, and God came to me and he said, I want you to break the fast. And I said, No. That's bold. That's when you know you've really lost the plot, okay? Because when you tell God no, and I said no, and he said, you know, why? Well, you're not going to break the fast. I said, I, I don't have the answers to the things that I want yet. And he said to me, you don't fast to bend me to your will. You fast to bend yourself to my will. I thought, that's gold. I went out and had a biscuit because... <laughs> best. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I wanted the biscuit. I just wanted something spiritually to break through in my life more than that. The moment he gave me permission, happy days, I was ready to do it, you know? But the thing is, is I realized that fasting isn't about putting God in debt and it's not about earning blessing and it's not about making him do what you want. It's about exposing yourself to the unimaginable glory of God. And it starts to shift something in your life. And yeah, absolutely, you're going to get some breakthroughs. Absolutely. But at the same time, it starts to shift your thinking. What if the breakthrough you have is one that's up here instead of out here? I'm telling you. If you need breakthrough more than you need your next meal, then fasting could be on the menu for you. If you need breakthrough more than you need to eat another meal, this could be the thing for you. And people won't understand it. They don't get it. In fact, to be honest, people try to talk you out of it. They think, that's weird. You're different. Can I tell you something? This is not normal. But guess what I've discovered? Normal is overrated. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be like everyone else. I don't want all their stories. I'm interested in something higher. I'm interested in something better. I want to press in to see the, the really amazing, miraculous stuff that normal people don't get to see. I remember my, um, I was in the middle of a two-week fast. Or no, I'd actually I'd completed the fast. Two weeks, no food. And my parents were speaking to my uncle. And one thing you've got to know about my uncle is that he is supremely confident in all knowledge and wisdom. He thinks he knows everything. And my parents told him that Sarah and I had just completed a two-week fast. And he said, no, they didn't. They couldn't do it. They'd be dead. And my parents were like, well, they're still alive. So that's pretty good evidence to substantiate the fact that you don't die. He said, nope, impossible. They would have died. You won't die. You won't die. You won't die if you, if you fast. And what I'm talking about here, I, I'm not talking about like just not eating. I know that for some people, just not eating can be a, it can actually be a sickness. And I know that sometimes people struggle with that, but that's not the kind of thing that I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting before God and having some purpose and some intention behind your fast. You know, if, if, what we're going to do as a church for the next three days, just three days, so easy. As I'm calling the church to a fast, because I'm hungry enough to see some things shift and change. I'm hungry enough. You came to heart and soul, you'll know what I'm hungry for if you were there. 
I'm hungry to see things shift and change. So the next three days, here's what we're going to do. From 6 a.m. till 7 a.m., we're going to pray. We're going to get together as a church. We're going to pray. And we're going to seek God to do some things that I think we need to see shifted and, and changed in the world. And when we do that, when we make that decision, I want, I want to let you know that, first of all, three days is easy, but here's, if you're thinking about doing this now, if you've actually come to the place where you're hungry enough to see some things be shifted and changed in your life, I want to inform you of what you can expect while you're fasting. All right? Number one, you'll probably get hungry. All right? Now, here's how you know that the fast is actually working. You're not eating, but you are praying. And that's it. I don't know if this is really happening for me. Hang on. You're not eating, and you are praying. If you're not eating and you're not praying, you just did literally the dumbest diet of your life. And you will be so disappointed. So disappointed. But if you're not eating and you are praying, that's how you know it's working. You're actually doing it. I don't know what you'd be expecting from that. I don't know if you're waiting for something specific or, or, or and maybe you'll get it. But the point is, is that you do it. And that's how you know that it's working. A couple of months ago, I went to Church of the Highlands, a church over in the United States. And uh, they did a pastor's conference and they talk about, you know, the kind of stuff that I would really love, systems and strategies. Oh, awesome. So anyway, this church has 40,000 people at it. 40,000. I said, that's, that's incredible. I'm like, how do they get to be 40,000? So we do, the, we do the whole conference. And it's the last session on the last day in the last few minutes of the conference. And when I came back, people said to me, what was the highlight of the conference? And I'm about to tell you, it was in the last session, on the last day, in the last five minutes. And here's what they said. They said, over the last couple of days, we've taught you all these great things about how to develop and grow and empower people and all that kind of stuff. I said, but the first thing you need to understand is you need to win the war on the spiritual. They said, because if you don't win the war on the spiritual, everything we've taught you is not worth anything. And it stuck. And I remembered. And I haven't forgotten. We can have the best systems, ideas, the best things in the world. But if we're not, if we're not winning the war on the spiritual, then those things might just be fruitless. And so you know what they said? How do, how do they do it? Well, Church of the Highlands. How do they get there? Forty thousand people they pray and fast six weeks a year pray and fast six weeks a year they fast for three weeks in january and they fast for three weeks in july and guess what it's just as inconvenient for them as it would be for you the difference is that they're hungry enough to see change and i said what are you what are the prayer meetings like tell me about the the prayer and fasting meetings that you have and they said they're some of our best attended events i mean seriously from 6 a.m till 7 a.m in the morning before work there are literally thousands of men and women and children 
crammed into their auditorium that seats 4,000 people. And they're all praying and asking God to shift things in their church and to shift things in their life for three weeks, nonstop, thousands of people. You know why they get breakthrough? Do you know why Indonesia gets breakthrough? You know why Jesus had breakthrough? They were hungry enough to do the discipline of getting before God and saying, I'm so serious right now. I'm so hungry for change. I want to see some things shift and change in my life and change in our church. I'm so hungry. I'm going to, I'm fasting. I'm, I'm praying. I'm, this is it. I'm serious. I'm serious. So, how hungry are you? Come on. How hungry are you to see things begin to shift? Because you'll, if you're hungry enough, you'll stop eating. I want to remind you of three things. Number one, complacency kills potential. Don't settle for what you see when you can contend for more. Number two, God can do all things. He's waiting for you to get hungry enough. He wants to develop something in you at the same time. Number three, Jesus fasted. I feel like that's its own point. Jesus fasted. Are you a follower of Jesus? Because followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, do what Jesus did. And if he had to fast... Maybe you should too. Is breakthrough on the other side of your hunger? Is breakthrough for what you need on the other side of your hunger? Don't answer me. Just show up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. You don't even need to answer yourself because all you need to do is show up. You'll be able to answer that question in three days. If breakthrough was on the other side of your hunger, would you do something about it? I'm telling you right now, I feel like God, the presence of God is here in this place. I feel him even right now. And I know he wants to shift some things in the lives of people that are in here. Are you hungry enough to make the decision that would see breakthrough in your life? Why don't you stand to your feet? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.